Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan, coming to you following Everton's 2-1 home loss to Sean Dyche's Burnley FC. Disappointing loss and yet another home loss for the Toffees coming to us from Sky Sports Stato. Everton now lead the division in most home defeats versus current bottom half. It is Everton with four losses, followed up by uh, three home losses by Aston Villa, Liverpool, Newcastle, and Sheffield United. Uh, certainly not a metric. The Toffees want to be leading the Premier League in Ryan, but let's just kick it off and throw it over to you for your instant match reaction. Well, um, things that we're not very good at came back to bite us a little bit. Our inability to kind of possess the ball. We gave them the ball a couple different times and they struck back. And, and really what it comes down to is if you continue to, we've been very fortunate in the fact that we've, had a lot of wins recently where we didn't create a whole lot more than the other team, if any at all. And we still got three points out of it. This is one of those times where they had their chances as many of they've been getting in previous matches because they've been playing okay and they were clinical and we weren't. And that's really what it comes down to. It doesn't have a whole lot to do more than that. It's not like we didn't create chances. We quite did. There were times we actually looked quite fluid with the ball. Um, but that's the way the thing bounces sometimes, man. You know, I, I don't think this isn't a, a total referendum on anything or changes anything whatsoever in terms of how we're playing. Um, if any, I mean, we were as undeserving of a loss today as we've been undeserving a win in many other matches. So it's just how the ball bounces sometimes, man. Yeah. I think it's very well said. I think it's just a case of, we got done a couple of, of individual errors, a couple of uh, costly turnovers in unfortunate positions. And they were, clinical and took advantage of it and yep you know the difference is a Dwight McNeil worldly that uh gonna go right down to the wire as a potential goal of the season contender and in the second half I thought we kept him at arm's length now the problem is you really can't go down two nil to a Sean Dice side because that affords them the ability to shut up shop and uh sit back and let you kind of try toil for the rest of the match and and look for something and we almost did in the end so um, I, look, I'm not as discouraged as many are. It's it's discouraging at face value given their position in the table and our position in the table and how we seem to continuously f- uh, flop in these matches and put ourselves in difficult positions. But I think uh, I think Michael Keane in his post match comments summed it up quite nicely when he said, "We know if we're at hundred percent, we feel at home. We should be winning these games. First half, especially, we weren't good enough." especially for a 20 to 25 minute period. And we got punished for it. Burnley played to their strengths in that period. They won a lot more second balls than us. They seemed a yard sharper. I don't have an explanation. I don't think you can say anything about our work ethic or anything like that. I can't totally argue with what he's saying, but um, you know, sometimes the lack of jumping on second balls isn't necessarily initiative. It's just lack of familiarity with each other. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Not sure who's going forward, who isn't. I think the shape of our midfield in particular was problematic. You know, there was too much of a gap at times between the back line and the midfield. 
And again, we're not great at keeping the ball. So although we may have some great designs to push the back line up and play higher and all this other stuff, you can't keep the ball. It doesn't really matter. And look, we had some pretty poor performances from some folks in the midfield and in key moments. And again, still, we created more chances and better chances than they did. They just finished a lot, a lot better. So, I mean, what could Michael Keane really say? You know what I mean? Right. There's not too, right. too much to say. And the thing is, it's not that I'm not as bummed out as you are about it. I, I don't mean to say I was resigned to the fact that this is how we are as a team or anything overly dramatic about it. It's just that it's going to happen. You know, I mean, we, we have so many injuries and we're not as dynamic as we'd like to be. And, you know, a better team creates more chances against Burnley but they would probably give up just as many too. I think we just got to decide if we're a good defensive team, we probably shouldn't have given up as many as we did. Um, but I thought we created enough chances to score at least two goals. Um, I thought Carlos take was interesting on it as well. Yeah. So Carlos said, obviously a big disappointment. We lost a great opportunity to climb the table. I think we, we did the same mistake that we had in most of the games this season here at Goodison park. We didn't start. Well, we were two nil down with mistakes, to be back in the game was honestly difficult. We tried, but it was not enough. They were better. They were strong defensively. They won a lot of second balls. This was the reason for the defeat. We were not clinical in front. We missed passes. We missed crosses. Just We let ourselves down. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think Burnley played exceptionally well, save I think Dwight McNeil had, had a really good game, and their back line did all right. But bar that, again, nothing that really stuck out. The first half, I thought we made them look really good. And, they, and I, I don't want to detract from them because I think they did have some really nice moves and some good ball movement themselves that, that they created. And we were just put off by it. It's not always just, we let ourselves down. Sometimes the other team just shows up in certain moments and links up and it, there you go. I think some of the problems that we have at times is that we allow other teams to play the way they want to play. Yeah. Uh, very much the case against Southampton earlier in the year when we knew exactly how they play and therefore four, two, you know, we knew how Burnley was going to play. We knew they'd try and hit us off the break. We knew that they've been more apt to pressure and uh, have been more aggressive, and they've been flying in terms of their effort. I mean, the team has a lot of character, and and Dice gets a lot from them, um, and we played right into it, you know? I, I don't know. I, I can't really blame the lineup, but I think the more and more you look at it, look at its composition, maybe we should have been less surprised at kind of them being able to cut through, cut through our midfield. And uh, certainly there were a couple choices too, that are continuing to make that were problematic, mostly in the midfield in the back. Yeah. Well, let's look what we, we were dealt a massive blow this week with the news that Decore has broken his foot and could be sidelined for 10 weeks or longer. I mean, that's not an easy injury to recover from. Furthermore, we had Sigurdsson who was, training and ended up on the bench but starting lineup we had pickford the same back line as we've had godfrey keen at center back holgate at right back dean out left and then the midfield of Allen, gomez and tom davies with alex awobi seemingly given a bid at the number 10 position uh there was obviously the little drama this week with his social media post where he was excited about his call up for nigeria and wanted to play in his quote unquote preferred position was that Carlo was asked about it and said, I want to have a conversation with Alex and find out where his best position is. And I want to play him there. And that was obviously kind of the, 
buzz, I guess, pre-match and then the front two of Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And, and frankly, um, you know, Ryan, you've watched Alex Iwobi with Nigeria and playing in that number 10 like he does so frequently for them. And uh, he can be that kind of player that is very active in the center of the pitch, looking to, to move around and get involved. And he he wants the ball. So when you jettison, jettison him off out to the right, where we never play down the right, uh, I don't think that's unreasonable for him to say, hey, I want to be on the ball. I'm a player who excels when I'm on the ball. Yeah, a lot was made of that comment, and maybe the timing wasn't good. I mean, I'm not going to defend it. You know, he shouldn't have right. maybe said it in that forum. I mean, that's not wise. I, I highly doubt Carlo and Owobi have not spoken about where he wants to play. Right. It's a manager, and you're in charge of building tactics. So I think we all know, including Alex Owobi, that you know that's not his preferred side. And surely, as much defending as he does, I mean, don't go from playing on the left side to Arsenal as an attacking player, getting over five touches in the box every game to like playing right wing back for Everton and getting like two and a half and, you know, and not, not be a little bit kind of concerned about it, but it's where we are right now. And it's kind of what we need him to do. And he's come out and said that he's willing to play anywhere. I, I don't, I personally don't see it's a lot different than um, Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey coming out and saying in an interview with Rio Ferdinand uh, how they really want to play center back and, you know, they'll do whatever for the team, but they want to be center back. That's their position. Not crazy or anything. I, I, you know, a lot of overreactions on all ends. Alex, oh, we probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but, you know, it looked like there was a chance when you saw the lineup that he might be in there, that position, because we had been playing a lot of the 4-3-1-2. Um, and I think that is probably a good position for him. It, it was going to be interesting, I thought, before the match to see how he'd do. You know, Burnley's lineup was no real surprise. They play 4-4-2 every single match. Only change was um, Taylor was at left back against Arsenal for their last tie. And um, Peters came back in and uh, but their tactical setup was not no surprise whatsoever. You know, four, four, two played as quickly as possible. Once you win it off and up to wood, uh, they're going to attack quickly off the counter. And, and that's how they play. And I, I would think a four, three, one, two, which is how we did start. Um, with the intent on possessing the ball and, and outnumbering them in midfield made a lot of sense, but it, and actually, in many ways, I don't think that was a tactical mistake, although it did seem like there were some areas in the wide spaces that maybe we didn't do as good a job of exploiting. Or was that just our decision to play Mason Holgate instead of Seamus Coleman? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think it's clear and we'll, we'll get into Mason Holgate's performance, but we've said it enough on the post matches recently. He hasn't been good. He's playing out of position. He's clearly not comfortable getting forward or really with the ball at his feet in those wide areas. And with that more narrow shape, you're inherently going to uh, try to play more through the middle. And look, I mean, I thought from from the get-go, I thought we started off rather brightly, and and we won't get into the timeline just yet, but a couple really good chances off the, right off the rip. And we had a little bit more balance in our attack than we have in weeks past. I mean, still 41% down the left, but 34% down the right, which is more than we've seen recently Burnley very balanced 34 on the right 39 on the left 27 down the middle and look the shot location sort of back all that up we had back up the argument that we had better chances 64 percent of our shots inside the 18 14 in the six uh, Burnley half their shots were outside of the 18 yard box so um you know it, it, it's easy to critique when they score immediately but but not even immediately because We'll switch to the timeline now. 
first thing in the match, basically the third minute, once play finally settles down, we have Allen trying to play it to a Wobi and it gets deflected. A Wobi comes back, collects it, turns, faces, plays it to Richarlison, lets it run, and Richarlison very directly attacking the goal with intent from the first whistle, which is something we really like to see from him because that's when he's at his best. And he fires a shot, forces a really good low save from Nick Pope in, in between the sticks. I love the fluidity early in this match with the three guys up top in particular. You know what I mean? Like Alex really coming back for the ball, running with it. it there was action. There was activity. Uh, it was difficult. Burnley was struggling with it, I think, a little bit. Richarlison seemed energized. Uh, Dom was kind of running in behind. Uh, it looked very good for a while. I, I thought, and I'll tell you what, in the 11th minute, we had a massive chance where I, I'm not so sure Richarlison just doesn't make the right decision here too. You know what I mean? Because that looked like it was a moment where everything was happening fast and quickly and, and very, very vertically though. I mean, we weren't very horizontal, which is kind of the risk here. I mean, if they get compact, it's tough to break through, but I, I thought the 11th minute, that was a big move that just didn't quite come off. And if it does, I think the game's totally different. Yeah. You've got Richarlison again, dropping and dropping a little bit deeper to receive the ball. And you saw a lot of that. I mean, you saw a lot. Yeah. Wobi would vacate that space and you saw Richarlison playing in between the lines in that 4-4-2, which is hard. I mean, it's normally pretty condensed in there, but he was doing a really good job picking it up, turning and running. And Alex is doing a good job finding him, cutting through lines. And I think Andre made a nice pass on this one to kind of cue it up, too. Yeah. Richarlison receives it again in acres of space. He lets it run basically like a half dummy um, and drives at the goal. He's got Dominic Calvert-Lewin basically right in front of him, making like a, a pass across the face of the goal. And you've got a Wobi kind of going wide. And there is that lane to a Wobi. And I think yep. he should have laid it off to him there. Instead, he tries the more difficult pass to Calvert-Lewin and just hits it because of the angle. He overhits it a little bit and it ends up being collected by Nick Pope. But that's two great chances inside the first 15 minutes. And frankly, I, I was really encouraged by that start. I thought Alex was much more dynamic and much more uh, capable of bringing guys out of position and disrupting play than someone like Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's received the ball to feet and make an immediate pass, not going to take anybody on. No, it's just different. It was a different look. And I love the fluidity and the movement of it. It was just so much more active. I mean, we had 76% possession the first 13 minutes, you know, two corners, two shots, that one play, all Richie has to do is kind of lay it out to the right instead. I don't know if you just didn't see him or made the wrong move or, or whatever. I mean, Wobie's got a borderline tap in across the goal. I mean, granted, Alex is not the best finisher, so God knows where it goes. <laughs> And that would have just made the fume even worse out there, at least on the Twitter sphere. Um, and, and sure enough, though, I mean, we we had I mean, they were putting pressure on us. I mean, clearly yeah. when we were building it out from the back, I mean, they were in a man press for the most part in our own half. So we had full we had, you know, halves midfielders receiving the ball with people on their back, but they should be able to make a quick touch pass. There was people in space. And sure enough, in the 13th minute. You know, maybe Michael Keane plays it a little harshly to Tom Davies, but, you know, Davies tries to receive it, tries to do something with it, which is admirable, but not in the best place. Brownhill, I, I think he probably fouled him, but, yeah. but, you know, his timing was pretty good. He did have his shoulder in, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like a blatant shove or anything. Davies probably going down was not the right thing to do, but maybe just knocked him off balance and he felt like it's all he could do, um, you know, immediately kind of plays it out wide, you know, McNeil hits a cross, comes off of Michael Keane. You could say it's a poor clearance, but, you know, that happens with center backs and sometimes it falls to someone. And sure enough, it fell to Wood. He composed himself very well and the finish was really good. And and 
it's one of those things where Wood has missed a bunch of absolute sitters recently. And Burnley themselves have not finished very well this season. We'll get to those numbers later when we kind of look at the game in summary. But this is a chance where they put away and as much as it was undeserved, uh, here we were down 1-0 after 13 minutes where I thought we looked okay. And and after that, it just it seemed like it rattled us a little bit in our ability to kind of progress the ball um, from the back to the front because, I mean, things just started to go south. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at it and we were taking the game to them and their first real chance of the match, they score. And I think it's probably harsh to totally blame Davies because I do think He's dropping deeper to try to get the ball. But as soon as Keane initiates that pass, Brownhill's like onto him, onto him, onto him, attacking Uh it aggressively. So he doesn't really have even a split second to think about it. But I also think he probably goes down a bit easier than he needs to, expecting the foul as I think is within his right because it's given 90% of the time in the Premier League these days. True. But goes down. And I just don't think when you're receiving it in that position, facing your own goal, under pressure, you can just anticipate and expect a foul. I think you have to play through it. Yeah. And it, it ends up costing us because they're in on goal. And again, it, it's Keen is does well, frankly, to get a touch on it. And he just puts it to the top of the 18 wood all alone. We're dropped too deep and he picks his spot, picks the corner and buries it one nil. I, I think part of the issue. So we saw at the end of the Chelsea mass, Tom Davies give the ball away badly twice. And I know a lot of people have kind of papered over that because he's been playing so well recently and we were down two nil. So I, I get us chasing the game. It's not that big a deal, but this is kind of one of those plays that the reckless Tom Davies, the one that we don't want to trust or sometimes comes out and you kind of shake your head and say, come on, man, you got to do better than that. Um, now the good part is that there's still also a progressive Tom Davies that we like and, you know, there was time enough to make up for it here um, from the 13th on. You know, it's one goal. It's their one chance. We still should be able to score at least one, if not two, against these guys. And then it just kind of still went downhill. And sure enough, it culminated in the 24th minute. I mean, McNeil, what a goal. Unbelievable. I mean, he just absolutely toasted Alon, who frankly had a terrible first half, um, looked a step slow all over the place. Alon comes rushing out at him, tries to win the ball. Why? I do not understand. He overcommits. McNeil beats him, sneaks him around him to the right, and then kind of leaning forward, just shapes one upper left. I think it hit hit post, went in. I don't think Pickford has a chance on this one, although I'm sure someone out there tweeted something about most goals given up outside the box, which, okay, is true, but still... And it's 2-0, and you're just thinking, wow. You know, 1-0 is one thing. 2-0 against this side, no matter how much better you may think you are, it's almost a death sentence, and it was just – it was dejecting, you know. But but seriously, do not take anything away from him. He had the cross to set up the first goal, basically. This finish was absolutely world-class. Yeah, it's one of those you just kind of hold your hands up and say, what the heck are we supposed to do? Now, you say that. Allen absolutely should have contained him there and he overcommits anticipating McNeil because he receives it and anticipates him going middle with it. It's a really, really good cutback. Leaves him in the dust and then no one can close him down in time. And look, we've conceded our fair share of really nice goals this season and that's just another one that you can't really blame beyond Allen. You can't really blame Pickford for it, surely. There's no, I don't think there's a keeper in the world who makes that save, honestly. And as you said, 2-0 inside half an hour. And on one hand, you're thinking, well, at least we've got plenty of time to come back if we want to. On the other hand, we're talking about 
Burnley, and they're quite content with a 2-0 lead to waste time for the remaining 70 minutes and see the result out. Yeah, maybe Alon's overplaying him to his left because McNeil is definitely very left-footed um, still. But yeah, here's the, I mean, here's I, the interesting I, thing is, is yeah. we concede the second, more or less two goals conceded from individual errors, but Carlos sees it appropriate to change the formation to a 4-3-3 and push Alex Awobi out wide right. I can't I, say I, hate, I agreed with it. I hated it um, because I, we weren't... So, so look, I, if he was concerned about the shape, I just don't understand how that shape change helps you a whole lot. Yes, I agree. Putting people in wider spaces, maybe, um, and trying to attack outside was maybe better, but it wasn't like we weren't creating chances. You know, we, we frankly got rattled. Maybe he just needed to change things to change things. Maybe he yeah. felt like it would give us more stability, which is kind of bizarre. If you think about it, like, why would that give you more stability? Uh, you know, Destabilize they, to stabilize. Yeah. Very strange. Um, I, I certainly think it made us a lot less dynamic. Uh, I think that was very obvious. And ultimately the problem was partially is against the counter. We had no one back deep. Um, so once they got kind of, we made a mistake, there was no real cover for guys like Davies and granted he was the farther deep, uh, defensive mid, which is another reason why I probably shouldn't have tried to, you know, foul, take the foul there or whatever, but yeah, it just seemed kind of harsh. So maybe it's just change for change sake, but no, I don't think it helped our attack whatsoever. Although sure enough in the 31st minute, we got one back and you're thinking game on. Yeah. It's a really nice, first of all, Michael Keane initiates it sort of from, Inside of Burnley's half, plays it out wide to Mason Holgate. Um, you have a Wobie making the run out wide right in front of him, plays it to him, uh, gets the double team, draws two defenders out, splits them both really nicely. And Tom Davies, while all this is going on, is making a really intelligent, I think, run from deep towards the outside of the box. He receives it from a Wobie, puts in a beautifully shaped cross to Calvert Lewin, who has position, and he nods at home. And you know, I, I know I saw immediately after we conceded the second, well, we need to get one back before half. It's essential we get one yeah. back before half. And we did yeah. just that. And you're back in the game, at least. Um, and it, it is a good play and a good finish. But um, I think that probably scared Burnley a little straight. And they they definitely shored up even further after that. Yeah, it, it still didn't get much better from there. It was almost against the run of play at that point. Right. Um, I'm very curious as to your take in the 35th. I mean, Alex Awobi gets his pocket picked, right? And that was bad. I mean, I think it was the only time he was dispossessed all, all match, but that was not a good time to do it. But again, he has no one behind. So I, I don't know what happened there again. No midfield support, whatever. But either way. Uh, you know, McNeil again makes a great play. I mean, what a game this guy had. My God, can we, I mean, yeah. man of the match, do you think? Um, you know, he gets it back top of the box and Godfrey makes a huge block with his hand. So now, obviously, if they don't change the interpretation of the handball, that's an immediately immediate pen. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, is that a handball? Should VAR have Looked at that a little harder. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Was it in an unnatural position? It's I'm just so frustrated with the handball rule because to me, and today it was advantageous for us because I thought Mason Holgate had a handball shortly before that, even though he was kind of propped up by the defender and it was probably would have been a harsh one clearly hits his forearm. Same thing with Godfrey. He jumps, makes himself big to block the the shot and it hits his forearm. Like how I just, I I'm 
glad it wasn't called, but it's if it was against us, I would have been absolutely fuming because that seems as about as nailed on a pen and handball as you can possibly have. I mean, his left arm is tied to his body. His right isn't, right? And it hit off right. his right forearm. His forearm is away from his body. That's not a natural position to me. Um, you could argue, well, he didn't try and hit it in perp- on purpose, which... So my, my biggest... The reason why I actually liked the handball rule before is I understand it wasn't organic. I know it wasn't true to the game. But for me, the officials are so bad anyway, and or it's a tough match. It's hard to... to to officiate these things, it's very difficult by saying that if it's away from your body at all, no matter what. To me, that's a lot easier to officiate. It's very easy to make that call. Not very easy, but certainly in VAR, it's much easier to make that call. And people would say, well, what are defenders supposed to poop? do? Put their hands behind their back? Sure. I mean, no, I don't want them to do that. It would result in more goals. Is that a bad thing? No. Um, but, but the point is the players would eventually adjust. I mean, it's not impossible for you to train yourself to now put your arms behind your back, but it also eliminates instances like that, which is a dead pen. Um, to me, I think it is. I don't think you can argue the distance is, is not far enough. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's, a I don't know, maybe I'm so crazy, too. but I just, oh, I thought- do I think he intentionally handled it? No, but I could make an argue that no one ever intentionally handles the ball. Who That's would ex- ever intentionally put an arm up unless you're Luis Suarez catching a ball from the net and throwing it out? That's exactly what I was going to say is if you bring intent into it, like you're trying to read the player's mind in a circumstance where I, I don't think anyone's ever trying to give away a penalty. So it's crazy oh. to say like, oh, he did it intentionally unless it's like the hand of God. And yeah, the, there the would be right? like two or three penalties called the entirety of the year at most, if that were the case. It's now someone's going someone's to get on here and argue with us about this too, about no, no, the intent to, they know what they're doing by leaving it out. Well, fine. Let's take all the subjectivity subjectivity out of it and put, I mean, literally say, if your arm is away from your body, like there's any space whatsoever between your arms and your body, it's a handball. It's, is that within the intent of the game? No, I a hundred percent acknowledge that, but at least it is not subjective. And it would then just be important uh, important for the players to react to that and adjust. And would that be a bad thing? I mean, no, I don't want people flopping around like the Black Knight who's had his arms taken off all over the place. (laughs) Just a flesh wound. It's it's merely a flesh wound, huh? You've got no arms. Yes, I do. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't want it to turn into that, but it's okay. Like for me, if it would help things, I, I think that would be fine. But yeah, it's a penalty for me. I just, I don't know about the whole gate one, the whole gate one, at least you could make a case. Maybe there was collision or body right. contact and maybe his arm went up that way. Although I think it was reckless too. I think Mason absolutely put his elbow up, not to hit the ball, put his elbow up to fight off Ben me, uh, which I think was a bad, dumb move. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. Um, but this one. Yeah. I think it's a penalty. Anyway, we're belaboring the point, but yeah, you know. I mean, I think the, I think my just real quickly is, you can debate these things all day. And I think that highlights the overall thing is like, there's never going to be a perfect rule that makes everyone happy. And so at some point you just got to find one that fits best and stick with it. But I think we've had, we didn't so do much. that. We didn't no. do that at all. We decided to not only change the, we changed the interpretation. That's my favorite part about that. We don't change the language at all. The language is clear as day or very direct. It's not leaving much up to interpretation, but somehow because of couple coaches complained and whined and cried, the PGM OL decided that, oh, no, okay, we're going to interpret it different. How can you? I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm delaying the pod here. You it's okay. Yeah, it's frustrating. Now, what was also frustrating was 
Pickford picking up a injury, making a uh, diving attempt at a save from Goodmanson, I believe, when it ended up going off the post. And Great shot, by the way. I mean, that was not was. a big chance. It was a really good shot. Really well curled. And, and I think Pickford actually covered quite well. But as he seems like either in the dive or as he's getting up, he sustains some sort of leg injury. And he tries to stay on because, of course, Robin Olson's unavailable. So all we have is Joe Virginia and Harry Trier, 19 years old. And eventually he's it's determined that he can't go on. And so in the 43rd minute, just before halftime, Pickford couldn't quite tough out the last couple minutes. We bring on Joe Virginia for his Premier League debut. Um, and, of course, it being 2-1 at that point, a little bit nervous with the young keeper in between the sticks. And I think you saw that reflected uh, the lack of confidence in the, in the youngster reflected in the rest of the squad, uh, given their reluctance to kind of play through him for the remainder of the match. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he they had a had an opportunity pretty quickly there too. On yeah. one that I I think they really should have scored. Um, I, I think it was Goodmanson just made a very bad pass to Brownhill, who was just waltzing into the eighteen. Right? I mean, it just it looked like it should have been a dead on goal and he just kind of passed it behind him and he had to throw it across his body a little bit you know it should have been an easy shot but and i uh, hit it right as shall it probably helped him kind of almost get warm sometimes you know what i mean yeah a- absolutely i think if he had been left sitting back and nothing to do i think getting thrown right into the thick of things and right into the action probably at least helped keep him sharp and then we get to halftime and look from the eighth minute to halftime we were outshot 10 to 4 burnley 9 for 10 on dribbles we had one successful dribble. Allen and Gomez dribbled past a combined five times. Those, um, those numbers, dude, are crazy. I mean, yeah. Burnley were nine of ten in dribbles in the first half. We had one successful dribble. One. Burn, we only tried three. I, that is unbelievable. I mean, how can you, your midfielders in in a in a you know four man in essence midfield at times too get dribbled past. I mean, Alon got dribbled past three times, three times, Andre twice. I, I kind of expect that. But like those numbers are just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. You think they'd suited up Messi to just start running at us or something. It's just it's crazy if you think about it. I mean, that, that to me is such an indictment. I mean, but anyway, I, I think I, I don't want to say that we were lucky to get to halftime two to one because look i mean they didn't really create that many chances they just took them uh but they could have scored more i mean in theory they they probably could have but anyway sure enough we come out in the second half and uh we we actually looked okay and you know very quickly we we created a chance where Wobi kind of cutting inside on the right which he did several times and everyone normally just kind of stood there and looked at him at this time at least there was some movement he kind of did a couple step overs, laid it off to Andre and Andre normally gets in the final third. And it's like, he's possessed by some creature and just fouls it up. You know, he's not very clinical in the final third. I thought he did very well here, you know, left footed shot took one, didn't hammer it, but the placement was really good. And Pope had to use all of his frame to kind of reach out to the left, made a great save to parry it out for a corner. Um, that was a heck of a save I mean, it could have been 2-2 there. Again, the game totally changes. And then we have just a massive chance, probably the biggest open play chance we have in the game in the 47th. Yeah, it's another uh, appearance from Andre Gomez influencing play with his uh, long ball. So he plays a long ball out wide to Luca Dean. Luca Dean spins and fires in a right-footed cross. That was really nice. Uh, Dom in a great position. I don't know how he missed it. 
Frank hits it well wide. It wasn't even really close, and he was understandably very frustrated. It was a really high XG chance. It was a really a chance that you'd expect someone like Calvert-Lewin inside the six-yard box with his head to bury nine times out of ten, and he just kind of flubs it. And uh, that was really, I think, the uh, probably our best chance to score for the remainder of the match. Yeah, Dom just had one of those games where he just wasn't clinical. You know, he just couldn't quite do anything right. I mean, we we had more chances then, too. I mean, in the 53rd, Awobi had a lovely little chip into Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I thought, you know, that got past. I think Ben Mee had kind of come out and he played it past him, which was clever. You could say it was behind him, but I, I don't know why Dom continued his run. I mean, you know, he saw the ball. He instead tried to kind of turn awkwardly and kind of flick it on, I think, to try and score. Um he got bumped a little. Maybe he wanted a penalty, but really he did very poor with that. Again, that's one, too. That's a huge chance where your striker has the ball inside the 12, and it's not going to show up on your XG calculation or any of those numbers, but these were the type of other chances we were getting. And then Tom Davies played an unbelievable ball to him in the 62nd minute, and I mean, that's a tough ball to bring down, but he did not do well with it. Again, didn't even result in a shot. Yeah, he takes a great first touch and is let down by, I think, is his left foot on the second touch gets away from him. And that's, I think, this is a good kind of uh, summation of Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a player is when he's good in those one-touch finish scenarios a lot of the time. And when he needs to do a little bit to create for himself, he oftentimes is unable to do it. And uh, Gotten better. Gotten better at it. We've seen some moments, and this wouldn't have been an easy play, but, I mean, some of these other strikers, like does Jamie Vardy have trouble bringing that one down? Probably not. And you look at these these chances, and we need him to be that kind of clinical finisher in those cases, and uh, he just wasn't today. Got it in some good areas. Maybe not the greatest, like, outright chances but in positions where he if he was better at creating for himself probably could have made something happen and just didn't have his best day at the office now what i will say is i did like i do like in the, the this season in general the confidence that i see from calvert lewin in that he's trying different things he's trying some back heel flicks he's trying some creative turns and touches in the box it's just not quite coming off for him but sometimes it does. And when it does, you can see like the high ceiling that he has as he continues to improve those areas of his game because he's just such an amazing athlete. Yeah, he just had a bad night. I don't think that happens. I don't think that's crazy to say or it doesn't mean he's garbage. I mean, I know tend people tend to overreact, especially on social media. I know crazy people overreact sometimes on social media. Someone has a bad game and they're the worst player ever. Um, which he's not. He's quite good, but he just didn't have his best game. The header still blows my mind, though. You know what I mean? That's the one where, for him, he just he all, normally buries. Uh, in the 66th minute, then we Tom Davies goes out for King finally comes on. I, I think a lot of other people were calling for Andre. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, Andre was probably doing a better job of keeping the ball. Andre was actually creating a little bit more. Tom, better passing range. Yeah, I think so. Tom was a little sloppier than him, but Tom's also one of those people that can create stuff a little bit better than Andre. I, I, I could see it either way. I don't think it was a massive difference, one or the other. Um, and sure enough, right after that, in the 68th minute, this was the moment that, yeah, it's kind of a hoof ball up there where Jao Virginia muffs it. I, they really could have scored on it very easily. It was kind of the moment you were fearing might happen because they really didn't have a ton of 
not a high volume of chances. They had a couple decent ones in the second half. You saw that in your heart skipped a beat. Uh, they had another one right after that across where Ben Godfrey did a very nice job with a fantastic flicking header behind him. Um, and then they had another one where King got King, Michael King got caught upfield several times today and they would hit us off the break and Vidra missed one. Maybe he could have done better with it was that that kind of sequence really was where they looked very dangerous. Um, and then that prompted us to finally sub on Seamus Coleman for Mason Holgate. James, do you feel like that was a little too late to make that sub? Yeah, I really think we could have used Coleman's offensive impetus a little bit earlier in the match given there was a couple times when mason there's the one i think even in the first half where he and awobi are linking up and holgate receives it and tries to dribble by and just botches it so so poor um i i, I think with you know 17 minutes remaining in the match you you hope that coleman can make an impact and i think he did but i just i wonder about his fitness if he if he couldn't if he can't go the 90 minutes just yet, where is he really at? Because as soon as he's fully fit, you'd have to think Carlo throws him right back in the team, given Mason's struggles out wide. Or if Mina's healthy, you plug Mina back in there, and now at least we have some some more danger off set pieces and put Godfrey yeah. out right. I, I don't know if that's the answer, but the thing is, we once Coleman came on, we had we were like 72% of possession the rest of the way. So we had the ball the whole time and created some chances, but just didn't seem like we could break through. Um, it was funny. King finally looked a little bit settled at times today in the 86 minute. He had a lovely pass into Richie um, who did a really nice job with his movement to kind of find some space in one of the channels um, laid it off for Coleman. And you know, maybe Seamus should have gone to his right rather than his left with the shot. It wasn't a horrible shot, but it got blocked, but that looked dangerous. You know, it looked like we knew what we were doing. And then, Three minutes of extra time, too, which, of course, when we're chasing the game. and I mean, three, are you kidding? Three multiple subs. I mean, I just <laughs> unbelievable. And then they had a player go down right at the end of the 93rd, too. So that was even more comedic. Um, but I, I thought we had a really good chance where Michael Keane made a lovely through ball oh, to Seamus Coleman running around the outside. Coleman with the lobbed cross. But, I mean, no one stepped in in there to get it. Then we had a corner in the 92nd where Richarlison just gets absolutely mauled. I think he just kind of fell. I don't know. They were using their hands a lot on set pieces, but this just in, you're probably not going to score on a set piece against Burnley. So yeah. that's, you know, we were, we, you know, we put ourselves in that situation and it was, it is what it was. And we really didn't have that many amazing chances, even if we had the ball that much. And it was just, it was just disappointing. Yeah, but then you look back and you reflect on the second half compared to the first half and perhaps unexpectedly given Burnley's style of play, but outshot them eight to four, five corners to one, only were dispossessed once, and they only had a couple real like shots. They really we we shorted up and, and were pretty dominant, but just unable to break through. And they we said nine dribbles, nine for ten dribbles for Burnley in the first half. They had two in the second half. So they were very content to just sit behind the ball and let us do our thing, and they'll just refuse to yield uh, to the relentless pressure. I mean, the nice part is that we have a manager that when we get in halftime, he can make sure the shape is better, and, and we certainly seem to improve often after the halftime, which mm -hmm. is important, a sign of a good manager. But I, I still think I still think the move away to go to the 4-3-3 
uh, we lost some dynamicism. Uh, I felt like we just kind of lost energy and fluidity. And I, I, I didn't think that we were, I, if we have 45 minutes where we've got a score against Burnley, I mean, come on, man, we can't, we can't create more than what we did. So look, overall match summary, XG philosophy had us at 1.7 expected goals versus Burnley at 0.84. It's probably about right. I, I think I'm more disappointed with the fact that we were only at 1.7 than I am that we gave up 0.84 to Burnley personally. Yeah, I think it's fair. And, and I think in the notes here, you you make a good point in that DCL had several really good chances that he never even was able to get a shot off from. And the the we talked about several of them. The other one that I think was in the first half was that insane outside of the foot pass from Alon that drops that oh, yeah. eludes the foot of Ben me and DCL just overhits it. I don't think he's expecting it to get through. Um, and again, that's, that's what separates the elite from the mediocre, at least on an individual game basis. And not every game, I, you know, that's one thing that's probably fair that we should be just to be fair about it is not every striker has a world. You know, I, right. I think, I think too often people just kind of say, well, so-and-so I said it earlier, you know, would Jamie Vardy have pulled, pulled that down? Yeah. He would have been better at probably bringing it down, but he muffs up too. I mean, not every striker finishes every moment they ever get, <laughs> yeah. but it, but today, today it was pretty bad. I mean, he had a vast majority of the XG that we had. He had the vast majority of the chances and that's the position he's playing, especially when we switch to the four, three, three. Um, I, I, I still like, I still wish we hadn't have done that. I, I understand why he did it. We needed to make some changes just period, but I, I would have liked to see Richarlison continue to get the ball between their lines more. I just think he looked so dangerous in the first 30 minutes running with the ball. You know, we don't, the only guy we ever have running with the ball typically is a Wobi. and for him and Richarlison to both do it, I, I think really makes a big difference in, in our attack. I, I think even a Christmas tree, maybe with him, and it will be playing back a little farther, or at least some fluidity between those three up front would be effective. Obviously, James would be the, the preferred choice in there. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. So look, put it this way. All year, we finished fairly well. I think we're sixth in the league going into this match in the difference between, you know, not non-penalty expected goals and goals. We're sixth. So we've been very clinical. Now, granted, that's because a lot of our chances are close in. You know, as you always point out, we don't take a lot of bad shots from distance. I'm happy we don't. I mean, you shouldn't. It's dumb. And they're 16th. Well, today they exceeded their expected goals by a lot, you know, relatively a lot for them. I mean, two goals on a 0.84 XG, and maybe it was a little better than that. You know, we'll find out that XG philosophy does not have the best formula. Stats bomb is a lot better, but without getting too technical about it, you have a team that's 16th in that figure that you know, definitely climb the charts a little bit today. One finished, one didn't, even though all year it's been the other way around. I mean, that that's a little bit of luck. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, I, I, I don't think there's much more than that. And we should have known, like we should have known, it wasn't going to be easy to beat Pope today. I mean, his numbers, he's been really good this year. I mean, he's third in the Premier League in post-shot expected goal difference. You know what I mean? Like we're talking 0.21 goals saved P90. That, that is a significant number. I feel like it comes in almost, it's over five goals for the whole season that he's in essence saved compared to his expected goals. And again, those are small sample sizes, so I wouldn't rely on that all the time. Versus someone like Jordan Pickford's like 15th in the league. I mean, yeah. so, so look, Pope is not the best in distribution. My good, my goodness, he's not. 
but he is tough to beat. So you give up two goals early against these guys. You knew it was going to be difficult to come back and score two, but man, you know, I, I, I was hopeful we could have other, I guess I was just disappointed. We didn't generate more chances. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And I think, Sometimes you just get the the bad side of the draw. We've had so many matches this season where we've had hardly any chances and we've won. Yep. Burnley had hardly any chances today. They won. Um, it's the nature of the sport. It's just the context with which this result happened that I think has left a lot of people with a sour taste in their mouth. Understandably so. I still think that, frankly, I'm, I'm a little just exhausted with the every single time we lose, like, Europe's gone. Let's just pack it up and get to the oh, summer transfer God. window and it's over. And now we're asking questions of Carlo. It's like, look, we were missing a giant decor sized player in our midfield today. I think he makes a huge difference in terms of legs and coverage. James, um, I mean, of course, he's our best player for heaven. So those two are debatably our two best players. So, yeah. and maybe if Coleman wasn't fit, you know, he's not out there. That makes a big difference because Holgate has been so bad. Uh, I, I just, it's it's where we're at. It's unfortunate, yeah. but it's it's kind of it. Um, so player performances. Yeah, uh, he wasn't a player, but how good was John Moss today? Oof. Well, I mean, bad in a beneficial way for us at times, but my God, I mean, just stunk it up. Seemed to be blindfolded half the time. Missed so many calls. Uh, inconsistent all over the place. The decision for the stoppage time made so little sense. Yeah rewards Burnley for two of their players going down with like 30 seconds left in the match adds nothing on. It was shocking. And yet it's like they, they always find ways the Premier League referees to sink to new depths of abysmalness. (laughs) It just is astounding. The outrage to me is just, you just, you know, if you watch any other leagues, um, I mean, in the top five, at least. I, sorry, it's the worst officiating. It is. You could argue it's the most difficult to officiate. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, uh, speaking of good performances, <laughs> did we have anyone, any today? I mean, I, I think we did. We did create chances. I mean, you look at that kind of chance differential, and clearly some some players played all right. Yeah, I, I honestly, and this is an interesting segment because we're gonna have a lot of people who disagree with us because based on the reactions i've seen there was a dramatic disparity in how people rated individuals performances and i went into this game wanting to see alex will play well in the 10 i wanted to see him shut out the haters i don't think he had his best game but i people saying he needed to be yanked at half i mean frankly i just don't really know what game you were watching second highest pass success rate on the team 89.3. I think Ben Godfrey was the only one higher than him. Um, He took care of the ball. He looked and say what you want about him being effective. At least he wants the ball at his feet and he wants to make stuff happen. Only got dispossessed once, albeit in a really costly position that almost resulted in a goal. Had three bad touches all in the first half, but also had two key passes, which seems on the low side because it felt like he was cutting through defensive lines and really looking to do things creatively, take guys on and then pass off of it. Once he drew people out of position. Um, I think the, a couple, like, like the one Dom flick on, I think that's probably right. a key pass that they didn't care. There are a couple little things, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, his crossing isn't great, but I mean, you, you threw him out to the right a little bit again, and he's playing a little deeper. So, I mean, that that's, we know he's not necessarily the greatest at that, at least from distance, 
But his distribution on that, I thought was really good. I mean, what was he, five for seven in long balls? I mean, he was passing of distance, too. I, I'd be very interested to see who had the most forward passes on the team because normally it's someone in the back. You know, it's just right. that's where you play. You know, it's normally your six or, you know, so you'd think it'd be Davies or someone like that. I'll bet you Alex had quite a few. I, I loved his initiative. I thought in the first beginning, I thought we looked so good and fluid. And he was a big part of that, deserves credit for it. Um so, yeah, I don't see how, how anyone could look at that. I mean, it's some of them are just comical. You know, people just have it out for him. Like, he just passed it to the other team. Well, no, they measure that. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, for an attacking player to have the second highest pass rate on the team, I mean, clearly he's taking care of the ball. I think part of the problem is when he got shifted over to the right, he almost took too good a care of the ball. You know what I mean? Like, he really, the only time he missed a pass was firing a cross in, and that was... It just wasn't there. You know, you pushed him out wide. There was no Mason Holgate on his right. And then when Seamus came in, you know, Seamus has to occupy that half space. So it pushes Alex Wobie on, on the wide area, which can be good if he can get deeper and run at someone. But, you know, I don't really want him crossing the ball from distance from there. You know what I mean? I want him linking yeah. up and play. And I, I'd rather have him in the half space, at least with the wider fullback. I think he can be effective in that role. Uh, he's just a little limited when he goes out way wide. But no, I thought I thought he was pretty. I mean, what, what did he do wrong? You know, I that's, guess that's the thing. It, that's that, the thing. I, it's nothing. like other than and I'm not. We talk about Alex will be a lot. And I think we both think he can contribute and be useful as a player. Neither of us are overly in love with him or anything like that. But when you're going to make critiques of him that are like demonstrably untrue, then I think we just try to illustrate, well, you know, saying he gave the ball away a lot. Well, he gave it away less than anyone else on the team yeah. in a forward position. So yeah. it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think Andre Gomez is another player who um, didn't cover himself with glory, but again, by his standards and he hasn't been great of late, I thought he did an okay job with moving the ball, had a couple of really long, uh, nice long balls and ended up with three key passes on the day, which is one of his best creative games in an Everton shirt since he's arrived. Yeah. So if this is the same guy that people were comparing to Mikel Arteta, when he first showed up at Everton, which anyone in their right mind should have known was ludicrous. I mean, Arteta's output um, in the final third, he was always very good in that way. He scored, he set people up and that's not really Andre's game, but three key passes, you know, he's only had more than that two times in his entire Everton career. Crazy. So how can you sit there and say, well, he didn't create enough or didn't do enough. He had two shots. His left-footed shot that Pope made a great save on was an excellent play. He actually looked competent in the final third. I was shocked about it myself. He took care of the ball. He had two bad touches. That's absolutely it. Um, two for five in crosses. Again, his defensive deficiencies were on full display again. I mean, zero to three, zero for three in tackles. Again, he got dribbled by three times, I think, all in the first half. But he did help retain the ball at times which is what he does at his best i i just i don't see how you can look at that and think he was terrible you know i it just he was he i just i didn't see it uh, you know i don't know it's confusing to me why the immediate reaction to people after this game was those pe part of the thing is too i remember i tweeted out you know what did andre gomes do wrong tonight or how well did he play tonight and everyone's response was he's terrible I'm like is he terrible or how did he play tonight not what i asked you know, it's just not everything has to be a referendum on every player. I think that's part of the issue. You know, it's okay to say Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't play well tonight. Is that a referendum on him and his whole career and entirety of his body of work as an Everton player? No, no, he's great. I mean, I think he's had a fantastic year. He's led the line very well. He's improved his hold up play. He's done a lot of things better. He just had an off night. He didn't finish very well. 
I don't know. It just seems, I just, it seems very irrational to me. What about Tom Davies? I think he was a little hit or miss. Yeah, a little hit or miss. Obviously, he had the the foul or non-foul that resulted in the first goal, but he also had two key passes, had that really nice uh, over-the-top ball as well as the assist yeah. uh, the cross to DCL. So um, for a player who, again, I think relatively limited um, and ended up giving away two fouls, but I don't think he was positionally atrocious. I thought he was pretty reserved and, and made some intelligent runs forward without getting too reckless with it, without getting caught out of position too often. Um, I think he's refined his game in a lot of positive ways this year in general. And I thought today, not his best day at the office, but in terms of the, the scope of the whole team, I thought he was firmly in the okay camp. Um, I think the midfield collective was rather poor in their like synergy with one another and their ability to shut things out. But Frankly, uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, but I don't think Gomez or Davies were the worst of the bunch in terms of the midfield performances. I think moving to the 4-3-3, the midfield seemed better in terms of more stable. Um, I don't know if that's really true. You know, in my mind, I feel like it was, but I thought it killed a lot of our dynamicism by moving Wobie, um, who I think was was at least showing some danger as a decent link between the forward line and the midfield by moving out outright. So, you know, you do what you do, uh, whether you think it was the right thing or not. I don't know. I thought Richarlison was pretty good today as well. Uh, one of the things that he did exceptionally well today was he took pretty good care of the ball today. I mean, I don't think he was dispossessed once. I think it was a little bit of the byproduct of the role he was being asked to play. He kind of pulled back a little bit. I think he looked dangerous in that way. Only one bad touch. Zero for three. His crossing wasn't great. You know, he didn't find Dom the way he did maybe earlier in the year, but I liked him running with the ball. Um, God, I wish he would have played a Wobie in the 11th through. I mean, he was just so wide open. It was, you know, it was probably happened a little bit later than otherwise he might have seen him. Um, great early shot, though, against Pope, like right off the second minute. One key pass, foul twice. I mean, I, I, I think your your comment was he uh, seemed to fade as the match went on. He did have one pretty decent hold-up play laying it off for Sheamus, but I wonder if he was a little tired because you kind of wonder a striker with the ball with his back to the goal and that close maybe takes a touch, spins off him, and tries a shot. So so I think you're, you might be right. Yeah, he played, obviously, the first 10, 15 minutes. I thought he looked like our best player, and you can tell – when he's running it, guys, the fear energized feels saw it like yes. Yeah. And he, guys will back off him and, and let him run at them because he can beat people with his pace. Or he's not as strong at his receiving the ball back to and having to, you know, rely a lot on distributing and moving the ball. Um and, and frustratingly enough, I thought that after the formation change, it nullified a lot of what he was doing well, which was coming a little deeper, turning and going at guys. So I thought he was as well as you, you know, same as you thought he was okay, but just sort of waned in impact as the minutes were on and ultimately, you know, couldn't come up with anything of note in the second half to get us level. So, and I thought Seamus Coleman did well when he was in, inserted in too. I mean, yeah. that would probably be another that you'd consider at least okay. Um, you know, it's just, it's such a drop off right now with Holgate out there. He just, oh, you know, Mason just playing badly. You know, it doesn't mean he's, again, this is not a referendum on here. He's had a bad stretch of games out and right back. I mean, he's better at center back. You see a lot more composure from him in that role. He's more comfortable with it. And let's not forget, he's still, still a relatively young player as a defender. Um, but yeah, Seamus made a lovely cross an extra time that no one was there for, but you got to hope that he's going to be ready to go next match. I just think it's a big difference right now. I think we all know in the summer that we need some right-sided players. 
maybe Dwight McNeil's one um, left footer. He's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so, all right. A lot of people picked on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So let's just kind of address it. I mean, he had six bad touches on this. I don't think he's had that many all season. That's a lot. He had four shots. One was a goal. One was just a terrible miss. I mean, what can you say? Yeah, I, we've talked a lot about it already, but just not his best game. And, and we talk about a lot of the times when he's not getting the service, how much can he do? Well, today he got, I think, more service than he usually gets and was rather wasteful, in my opinion. Um, not to say that I don't fully believe in him, but uh, we had a really good comment in here from uh, DL Barks at Everton Barks said in reaction to the post-match said, Europe's a long shot. Compare DCL to the forwards in those above us in Spurs. He's not there. He should have had a hat trick today. That in that and that in the end was the difference. If it's not put on a plate, he's just not scoring and certainly isn't creating wasteful sums it all up. And I think that sums him up. Um, at least today, wasteful um is a fair characterization. I still think though. Alon was the one that I was most disappointed with because Same. look, I, the bottom line is Dom, you can't be clinical all year. So you're going to have a game or two that's off. You hope some other people can step up or, and I know he doesn't create a whole lot for other people. I get it, but he still occupies their back line and there was still room and time and space for us to do stuff. But I mean, he had one tackle dribble pass three times, one nice pass going through, but just seemed, he seemed, it, it reminded me of some of the more problematic games we had earlier in the season where our defensive shape was off. And I kind of wonder if Carlo should have maybe tried to get Alon to be the farthest back midfielder before Davies and kept that shape um, instead of starting off in the 4-3-1-2, which looked like he had Tom Davies as being the deeper midfielder. And, and look, how often have those two played together? You, you know, I, I mean, I, I think if I were to look at the lineup up front, what would have made sense was those two playing together as two collective defensive mids. Um, but that wasn't the case, and we're limited in the players we had. So you would think it would have worked with Andre, Tom Davies, and Alon, but it just it just didn't. Um, so I, it could be a chemistry issue. I mean, have those three ever played together in that formation ever? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it did seem like there wasn't enough clarity in terms of responsibilities in that left a little bit. But I just think Alan looked looked a step slow, frankly. Yeah, um, he yeah he's not that quick to begin with, but right. And he uses his anticipation and yes, um, just football IQ to make up for that lack of athleticism. And you saw kind of the downside of relying on anticipation with the McNeil goal where he anticipates and he guesses wrong and it ends up uh, resulting in a worldly goal. So he's not going to be right every single time when he makes that. I still think he has really strong instincts. And again, it's not a referendum to say that he's not a good player, but maybe just hasn't been at his best since he came back from that long-term injury. And that's okay. It looks a step slow. I mean, he definitely does. It'd be hard sure. to argue that. Um, that being said, maybe we're being a little too critical to single him out because like you said, collectively, they weren't good. Paul Mason makes a really good comment that we took from Twitter at Paul Mason 22. His comment was think it would be unfair to single him out. Could pick anyone across the midfield tonight. They were poor collectively. There is few huge gaps in that midfield at the moment, which means average teams outplay us every week. We haven't dominated a game since before the first Derby. I think that personnel should have been enough against Burnley to dominate the ball. And we did have most of the possession, uh, but maybe it's poor collectively 
um, was more of the issue than necessarily, you know, I, I we just didn't seem to collectively work together for each other and patch up kind of some of our deficiencies. Um, that being said, I, I have no defense for Mason Holgate again. It just, you know, it just doesn't seem to be getting any better for him, does it? No, and not especially in these games where we are going to be largely in possession. Just his shortcomings going forward are so apparent. Uh, maybe against perhaps like City in the Cup later this week, you could see him filling a role where he has to stay back a lot. But even in those outside areas, for a player who has played his fair share of right back, you can tell it's just not his favorite or natural position, and he's just not as effective there. He had three tackles but two fouls. Um, nothing, nothing on the offensive side of the ball yet again. And that's just a huge, huge problem in a modern game that you rely on those outside fullbacks to play offensively regularly. It's not something he seems to be really capable of. And we've had enough of a sample size now that if it was going to happen, I think it would have, it's just not, not going to fit. I mean, four bad touches. I mean, he led the team in, 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 you know, just, unforced errors basically 71.4 percent pass rate again just giving them the ball i mean that's not that is not good enough man you know a lot of people were critical of josh king's shift that he put in i mean he hasn't been given a ton of game time and he hasn't looked good in it i agree you know he was he had one moment where he passed it into richarlison and i i still contend that he wasn't fully fit when we got him i found it very curious by the way though that we played him on the left and Awobi on the right when he came on. Uh, I, I don't I don't understand that, frankly, because don't get me wrong, I don't think Josh King looks comfortable on the right either. But you know, we did get him in theory. So I, I just don't I don't understand that. I mean, I, I f- first of all, Josh King can run with the ball and show some pace, and we saw a little bit of that today. But if we're gonna have 72% possession, like especially when Seamus came in at the end, I'd rather have it someone on the left like Awobi who can handle the ball you know, more so in a little different position and run forward with it. Maybe Josh King is capable of doing that. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it just seems like, I mean, this was, I think, his longest stint on the pinch pitch since arriving at Everton. You'd hope to have seen a little bit more. Thus far, I haven't seen a whole lot that encourages me a great deal. I mean, he, you know, I put in our notes here, I haven't, he hasn't shown himself to be any more useful coming on to impact a game late than Cenk Tosin did. Uh, We just seem to lack those kind of super substitutes that can come on and really change a game. Um, And I think that's just obviously a function of the injuries and depth in large part, but also he is that type of specimen and physical player that you would think would be able to come on and put himself about and dribble at guys, the stuff that he's shown to be good at, but it's just not really working maybe he's not uh, look we needed a third center forward in case dom went down or richie went down or we had to play too many fixtures and i get it you know but switching to a 4-3-3 and and i know he's played that position on the left side before you know and then we were in essence attacking like a 4-4-2 there at the end i just yeah i don't know i don't know if that really works or is befitting for him as much as playing center forward but it is what it is. Anyway, we had a lot of comments, I think, afterwards in terms of summary that I, I definitely want us to hit. Um, Mark Christopher starts off with at Mark C856. Unfortunately, it's a match I expect them to lose. Frustrating. They looked like they were playing the way they intended to, but still couldn't get too many high quality chances. 
I, I agree. I wish we would have had more high quality chances, but you've heard me say a million times, there's no Everton jinx. I don't expect any sort of getting let down type thing. I think we need to sometimes be a little more rational and understand that we've been getting some luck recently. Uh, usually that's not going to continue over 38 games. That's just my take. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, we, we said it off the top, top of the show, four losses against teams currently in the bottom half at home. Um, the home form is is certainly a major concern. But I don't think like I don't think this was us coming into it with the wrong plan and completely just snow it up. You know what I mean? Like I remember us starting in Southampton and I'm like, we are playing right into them. What are we thinking? And and I'm not saying that's not a shot at Carlo either. That may be just a shot at the individuals executing the plan. Although interestingly, he felt the need to change it up today, which mm. was was interesting. I mean, it made us more stable, but I think less creative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I guess my thing is if you don't get your hopes up too high, you can never be that disappointed, but conversely to that is, is as Carlos says, you never want to get too high or too low. And this was a, just a bit of bad luck today. Um, I think that's really sums it up quite nicely. And we had some couple other comments here. We had uh, Sean Khan at King Khan two, two, five said, Massive blow to our European hopes as Murphy's law was in effect for this game with DCL missing a ton of chances, a McNeil worldly and us actually beating our opponents in XG. Thought a was good and Virginia really stepped up in a tough situation. Need a response first palace. I do think we, we didn't really talk about job Virginia. Um, didn't have to do a whole lot, but other than that kind of sloppy uh, miscommunication in the back, I thought he looked pretty calm and reassured. So that's at least positive for him. I think so, too. And you're right. We need a response versus Palace. Now, Palace is not playing as well as this Burnley team has been playing. I mean, I I think Burnley has looked good, frankly, recently, even if the results have not been amazing. Um, So there's some positive there. But yeah, of course, it's the one time we beat the other team in terms of chances and we lose. But that's going to happen. That's the name of the game. That's why the table lies and all that stuff, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, BL at Brian Lincet. Wins versus top six matter not when you can't handle your business against bottom third. And he is right. Uh, I have said this many times on this pod. And I will continue to say it. It is much more important to get three points against Burnley at home than it is to scrape out a tie against whatever top six team at this point, it really is. Um, that's, that's just me. And then we have cab at sports account at Pacer fan, three, three, four top four out the window going to be tough as heck. Sorry. We don't swear in the show, uh, to finish top six without decore. Uh, yes, but I, yes, again, right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, but you and I have said since day one, the goal this year is to sneak into sixth. If we could, you know, now if Europa still got seventh and that was a possibility, then I wouldn't feel too bad about that either, but it's not this year. Um, six should be the goal. I don't know why anyone thought realistically we were going to continue to get the luck that we were getting before and magically fall into the top four. I mean, you can be hopeful of that. It's not dead technically or anything like that. Right. But we're going to have to play a heck of a lot better. Put it that way. Yeah. I agree. Look, it was always kind of a pipe dream for top four, perhaps uh, artificially inflated by the way we started the campaign where people thought, hey, maybe this team mm-hmm. will actually do something. But and we might talk about this on Toffee TV later this week. Um, Bossman Jr., a.k.a. RuPaul Pogba, put together a great little graphic where it charts out how many of our quote unquote best five players, uh, DCL, Dean, 
James, we've got Allen, Decorey. and then I think Decorey was the fifth, right? Uh, I think so. Anyway, we haven't had all five of them in the side basically since the Fulham win, which has been like almost four months. So it's we just the injuries. We'll, we'll say it. When fully healthy, we're a pretty decent team, probably deserving of Europe when we lose three or four guys and uh, we don't just don't have the squad depth to back it up. So if we can sneak into six, still be over the moon. The Decore, overcoming the Delasa Decore is going to be tough because I think he makes such a big difference to what we do, not even necessarily with the ball, but without the ball, off the ball, pressuring teams and providing that presence in the middle, just a little bit too easy to play through at the moment. And I think, honestly, that probably says it all for me, at least in regards to this match. Look at the bench. Even Bernard got sick at the last minute. He's he's a helpful player. I mean, there's just not... It's just not very deep. You know, it's thin and the injuries are making things very difficult. I think James and Corey, I think, are our two most important players. Um, and we still have Delph. Yes, he's still on the team. Uh, Bameen. Uh, yes, he exists. Just cannot seem to get healthy. I mean, those are two guys that you're expecting to at least fill in certain spots that are important in midfield and just... Mina clearly wasn't healthy, you know, not to start. We put him on the bench. I mean, that's that's how desperate we are. We're putting guys that aren't barely healthy on the bench. We've got two keepers on the bench. Our backup keeper was out, you know. I mean, heavens, talk about bad luck. His poor family got attacked with a bunch of machete-wielding robbers. I mean, that what a terrible... By the way, can you imagine kids and wife and kids there? Like, just Crazy. heart goes out to Robin Olsen. That is just yeah. a horrible, horrible thing. And I can't believe I closed on that. I really apologize. That was not in our notes. It just came to mind. But yeah, um, awful situation. I mean, that's the type of... God, you know, it just it shows you the team does have a lot of character say what you will i i really think it does but man we got to get going again i i still wonder you know if they don't score in that 30 13th it really i i thought we looked good in the first kind of 20 minutes it just it's a shame it kind of went sideways from there but again on to the next one yeah I, and i think that's a good note to end on in that you know you can make take the negative point of view and that we haven't maybe done as well against a lot of these teams on the opposite side of that. Look at all the adversity that we've overcome as a side, the injuries, all of the off the field stuff. It's been um, one heck of a season and not even to mention the uh, impacts of the pandemic that's still going on and very much a factor in people's everyday lives. So I think that's probably a, a good note to end on. And we appreciate everyone listening as always. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a, uh, rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on Toffee TV USA. Find all of our links, social media, etc., at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And join our Discord. The link is in the link tree if you are interested. We have some great conversation going on all the, the time. The link tree. <laughs> the link tree. It's uh, a good place to be, a good little community. And we uh, love to hear from everyone on there. So definitely check it out. Otherwise, until next time, up the toffees.